the best short films for lifelong learning, recommended by teachers for teachers. This is Short Films Teachers Love, with your host, Richard Lee. Today I'd like to introduce you to the teacher in the photo on our profile page, which shows her using a slightly disturbing animation called Dollface to explore the theme of identity and body image to a group of Year Nines in Melbourne, Australia. In 2016, she moved from Australia to the UK, where she now teaches EAL, or English as a, an additional language. I came to know her through my work with Campfire and I'm delighted to continue the contact. She's a warm and caring teacher with a surprisingly ghoulish taste and always great to chat with. Nicole James, welcome to the show. Hi, Richard. Thanks for having me. <laughs> do you, I, actually, I, I meant to ask you too, did you do a little bit of primary teaching training? Yeah, I did actually. My So my degree that I did with Victoria Uni was Peter 12. And so I spent my first four years of teaching actually in primary school before I sort of jumped ship to secondary. Right. So you really are diversifying quite a lot in everything. I'm feeling that way now. Yeah. Yeah, looking at my resume, ticking things off. It's good. It's exciting. Yeah, which I think was also the surprise when I first um, heard from you about writing some notes for films um, and you mentioned that you're into horror. And I thought, here's a primary teacher that's into horror. That's a bit unusual. Tell me about that. A little bit scary maybe for the parents. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's just something that I've always really enjoyed reading about. It's always something I like watching, um, not in like a morbid, you know, Colt Manson type way. It's just something that I find um, interesting and entertaining, um, mostly brought on from my dad and I think all like the Z grade vampire movies we've watched over the years have really influenced me a lot. So yeah, <laughs> that's fascinating. I, I've just um, we've done an episode not long ago with um, a psychologist who was talking about you know the, where films land in the brain and the mirror neuron system where you empathise with different characters. And she said she can't watch horror like she can't watch those genres that she doesn't connect with personally and just won't go there. And so it's just fascinating the way films do different things for different people, you know. It's funny. I think that's the reason why I like them because I can escape everything else that's going on and, and yeah, just just not, not relate to it at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet kind of examine places that you wouldn't normally go and, and explore what they might be like or something. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. Let me ask you then about um, your teaching in the UK. So I think the term EAL, English as an additional language, is kind of the more up-to-date version of ESL, English as a second language. So um, I guess we're acknowledging that people around the world are speaking multiple languages rather than just, you know, just two. Is that... um, and, And how is that for you coming... You were teaching English as a first language uh, in Australia. So what what's new for you moving into this area of EAL? Um, funnily enough, look, in terms of the students that that I deal with every day, I mean, they're, they're you know, they're, I guess the life experiences that they've had and the way that their English is broken or, you know, almost non-existent, it, it's actually very similar to um, some of the students that I've had back at home. Mm. So I guess... The difference is that now I've got all those students in one class instead of just one or two. And um, it's 
look, for sometimes it, it's, I think we're both a bit um, EAL because sometimes my Australianisms kick in and, <laughs> and I have to, you know, explain what I'm saying if I'm using, um, you know, like colloquial language or something. But yeah, it's it's about, I guess it makes you look at English from more of like a linguistic point of view than um, so much getting into you know, like the, the literature side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you moved to teaching English at the senior secondary level uh, in the UK. Um, I think you mentioned year 11. Is that what, do they call it year 11 in the UK or is it called something else? Yeah, but it is year 11 still. But um, I think if I was to calculate them against like Australian levels I think their year 11 would probably be about a year 10 level okay um and then um because they don't have like a prep year or a foundation year um early on and then their what their or what we in Victoria call VCE um for them is their GCSE and it's their basically their graduate certificate um of their secondary education and with that um that actually decides you know what kinds of jobs they can go into whether they need to go to uh you know a college after they finished year 11 or whether they can study on and then go to university it's it's a really quite a different um system than what we have at home Mm -hmm. and i guess teaching the eal you are you're picking up those students who are sort of less academically focused, would you say? or Definitely. So I feel like the, the focus is more on them understanding the language and teaching them those sort of real-life communication skills mm. rather than, you know, how to analyse mm. Shakespeare or, mm. or whatever. Mm. Excellent. Well, let's go to the films and the film called Vincent by Tim Burton. Vincent Malloy is seven years old. He's always polite and does what he's told. For a boy his age, he's considerate and nice. But he wants to be just like Vincent Price. Tell me what it is that draws you to Vincent, particularly in this context. Well, look, Vincent was something that um, I enjoyed from a personal level, um, you know, just enjoying Tim Burton's films, the way he not only tells stories but um, I guess presents them visually and, you know, like we were saying before, he really taps into that, I guess, surreal idea, um, those things that we probably haven't experienced but yet the stories that he's telling we definitely can relate to. So. On a personal level, I really enjoy that. Um, But this uh, actually is something that I was teaching my Year 7 students this year um, in regards to them looking at the gothic and the supernatural. So basically the film was used to help them to develop some context about um, the gothic, uh, I guess to learn a little bit about... um, the you know Tim Burton himself, especially as they were about to look at Edward Scissorhands, um, not in great detail, but but again using it to to draw ideas for for the Gothic, 
And from Vincent, they actually started to develop their own characters. And I think a film like Vincent really helps them to understand that, you know, a character can have so many layers. It's not always what you see on the surface that, that takes, you know, that's the most important most important part. Yeah, yeah. There's lots to unpack in this film. You know, the name Vincent as the narrator and as the character, there was a suggestion that he aspires to be like the narrator, you know, Vincent as well. There's, you know, the blurring of those. There's the music, there's the poetry, the style, you know, the darkness of it all and how dreamy it is. You know, there's there's lots going on. Um, I'm fascinated that you use that with um, students who are, struggling to use English as their as their language. So what's been the response? With, with using film with EAL students, the real advantage is that they've got the story there to see and not just to, to have to read and decipher. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's really exciting that, you know, they can make those links between, you know, their own ideas and what's going on in their lives with, with the visuals that they're seeing. Um, and, and again, not having that language barrier to to combat to to make a connection what kind of responses do you get from from the students what have they said you know do you get to the end of this and is there oh gasp you know is there horror or what (laughs) what do they say um look especially with year seven i guess they're a little more immature so um some of the kids get a, a little bit frightened not not to a degree where i have to be concerned but you know, it's some things that they haven't been exposed to. Um, again, it's dependent on their culture and their religions as well. Um, some of them get quite defiant when they're looking at, you know, this kind of thing or the supernatural or, you know, things that have gothic elements because, you know, they're taught not to believe in it. So, um, you know, for, for those kids it's about getting them to, you know, in, enjoy I guess for all the kids, really, for all students, it's about getting them to experience something that they haven't before, um, you know, and whether they enjoy it or whether they don't, they, you know, if they can pick apart an element of that and to some degree, you know, analyse it and make some connections, then then that's a that's a really valuable learning experience for them. Yeah. Does it, um, with this film in particular, is there a, a bit of a link to some of our other of Tim Burton's work because I know that this was an early of an early one of his films, wasn't it? Um, and you know he went on to become quite famous with um, some other major films. So do you sometimes feel with some of these films you're introducing students to a larger sort of cinematic world by showing films like Vincent? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like you know a lot of them can start to make the the animation connections. You know, we've got things like The Nightmare Before Christmas, we've got The Corpse Bride, you know, all those uh, animated, you know, Frank, I think Frank and Weenie as well that, um, you know, a lot of the kids have been exposed to and, and go, oh, okay, I, I've actually seen, you know, some of these films. But also, you know, with TV shows like Vampire Diaries and Supernatural and, you know, all of those are, uh, horror-centred shows um, out that, you know, teenagers are quite interested in. Um, this is another way for them to, you know, to, to again experience something different, to connect to it and find those quirky, you know, crazy visual um, presentations of stories that, yeah, they, they do relate to. Yep. 
All right, let's let's go on to the next film you've chosen called Inevitable Heartache. Inevitable Heartache was, it's an interesting one for me because it was a student film that got introduced to me by my sister from a a student she knew in a a rural town in Victoria and it was a a year 12 film and she pointed it out to me because, um, you know, it's a, a little bit clunky in some of its delivery but the idea behind it is really quite touching about you know a a guy that's lost touch with the world and what's important and all those sort of things and he's (coughs) struggling to reclaim some of that and then you picked it up and and you wrote some notes for it and I was really impressed to see the way that you'd sort of unpacked that and you've you know written about themes some of the key issues were compassion family and things not being about what they seem on the surface You've used this a number of times. Tell me about how you've used it and, you know, has that changed from your old English teaching to how you're now teaching, you know, using uh, in EAL? Oh, just, again, you you recounting my notes makes me think how the way that I've taught it has changed. And, I mean, the first, I think it was the first time I used it was with a Year 11 literature group. So, really um, unpacking those ideas and looking more of it, I guess, from a metaphorical sense. If I remember correctly, we might have done it in preparation for Mary and Max. Um, Yeah, so again, like sort of starting to get some context knowledge and, um, you know, not only looking at, at film as a medium for storytelling, but also understanding, you know, the way that it can be presented. I suppose on that level it also, it's a student film, so hopefully students can relate to it a bit better because, you know, one of us has made it. Is there an element of that perhaps? Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess for a lot of the students that, you know, for many of them doing literature, they do media as well and, you know, they can start to see the and, and art and the kinds of things that they can see overlap and to some degree gives them a bit of aspiration for what they can achieve. But yeah, you know, really looking at it for, as a, you know, on the student level, it's something that, you know, my students can relate to and, and you know, while they might not have experienced those same things, what they might have experienced is something that they can connect to and um, especially uh, with the idea of altruism as well and that's sort of the angle I took with my EAL students um, rather than unpacking you know, those other things, it was that idea of, you know, doing something that, you know, I guess you don't have to do, you're, you're choosing to do that to, to help out. I have a, a friend who teaches English to migrants here in Australia and she, you know, used to tell me she was always looking for things, prompters that encouraged her students to try and explain what they were thinking. You know, we used to, she used to get from me a, like a series of nine photo images that would need to be sorted out in order of story to tell a story in a proper sequence and she found them really useful because they knew what they were thinking in their head but then to encourage them to speak in English about what that story was was a good way of sort of naturally using language to 
to articulate what they were thinking. So I guess that's that's a similar thing to what you're doing here, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I guess a really big part of, of EAL students learning language is to experience it and then to, you know, so something, you know, where they're watching or, you know, looking at an image or whatever, they can look at that, then they can describe it, and then they've got a base, you know, uh, in terms of writing English for how the things in their head or their ideas can then play out in writing. Yeah. It was a little bit ambiguous, this film at the end. was Is that a good thing? Again, it's sort of encouraging discussion which you can use words for is that was that the idea too um yes for for eal definitely and for my literature kids uh it was brilliant in helping them to start to learn how to develop their own interpretations lit eal english whatever subject i think is really important that you know students are, are developing their own ideas about things and you know don't have to always be given a, a right or wrong answer mm-hmm Okay, the last film, Rastari Uniti. Oi, Ding. Get lost, go on, get out of our country. Your old man's a traitor. My dad's gonna shoot him. A beautiful film. Um, Really moving, really clearly pushing it into the emotion of seeing, you know, racial fear and discrimination for what it is. So we really get, I think anyone that watches this film gets to the end and goes, Oh, that's really awful. Racism is really bad. <laughs> um, is that what it's doing for you? What What do you love about this film? In all honesty, I think it's probably um, my favourite one to use and I've used it, uh, yeah, I think about four or five times now. Um, with Year 11 English um, and Year 10 English, we've looked at it um, in terms of racism, um, especially exploring you know, that idea of power and, um, again, making connections with, I guess, the conflicts that people um, encounter but also, you know, what, what makes up an identity and, and, and how it's, you know, how everybody is different and how everybody can be treated differently. Um, you know, I guess whichever level or whichever group of students, you always seem to get a little bit of a different reaction. So, Again, I know with my, my Year 11 and Year 10 English groups, they both, like you were saying, they found it quite, um, you know, the, the idea of racism being so aggressive and I, I think that sort of resonated with them quite a lot. In terms of using it with a Year 12 class, we actually used it for two reasons. We used it looking at that idea of immigration, which we were doing in relation to Brooklyn for Year 12. I call him Tobin. Really, I think the the most powerful message that it has, for me anyway, is looking at power that people can have. And with a character like Gianni, like uh, he he doesn't have any power. And then when he finally stands up for himself, mm. that's when he gets you know, himself into trouble. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
The other, the other thing, um, yeah, it's interesting you say it's it's good to use these short films in conjunction with other key texts that are being used. So, um, you know, I did film someone using this in in the under the theme of encountering conflict. So, two things there: one, su- supporting key texts, but also um, the fact that you can use films like this to explore larger themes in society that are happening. Yeah, definitely. And again, like with my EAL students, I in particular really like to focus on life experiences with them. And a lot of these students actually could relate to Gianni and what he was experiencing. Funnily enough, even though I was showing an Australian film about Australian, um, you know, history to a group of new arrivals to London and, you know, learning you know, English history, they still could relate because a lot of them are experiencing some of this, um, some of these racial stereotypes, you know, they do come through that, you know, they're teenagers, unfortunately, it's inherent in, in our society. But also some of them have come over to London, to England um, in different ways, some of them even illegally. So and they were quite infuriated for Johnny and feeling quite sorry for him. But I think for some different reasons that my my previous students had. Yeah, that's and and it points to the you know we talk about universal themes in really good films and clearly that's that's what you're highlighting there. You know, is there does that open up conversations that you have can have in class? Have you got stories from students that that <laughs> you know? Do they start you know coming out with what's going on for them? Oh, look, definitely. I found that I've gotten a little bit more information from students that I support um, in sort of a one-on-one situation. But yeah, in class, there's two parts to this. One is that it's fantastic they're, that they're interpreting this in different ways, but also from an assessment point of view, to have these guys actually engaging in conversation and discussing this in detail to get the students to this point is is amazing for them to be able to communicate what they're thinking and feeling in English. Um, that's a really big deal for, for me and for them. So exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And you've only been there. So this is, you, you're almost up to the first half of year teaching, you know, um, EAL in England in a new country for yourself. So <laughs> do you feel you've seen any progress with the students? Uh, do you feel more progress with your own teaching? Yeah, look, definitely. I, I basically, I've taken on this class. Um, I had them for two weeks before their exam. So I was spending two weeks doing exam preparation with them, and that was about the start of May. But, um, you know, of course, it, it's been a learning experience for me as a teacher who, for the last couple of years, I've had some um, – some really brilliant classes and I haven't had a lot of EAL students in my classes. So really we've been able to look at texts and, you know, language analysis and all those kinds of things really in depth. So for me now it's about taking a step back and actually making sure that, you know, my students are understanding the words that I'm saying and, and you know, breaking down what the discussion is so that they can fully comprehend it, not just not just looking at analysing a text, say, which is something that I'm so used to. So big learning curve but an exciting one. Like, yeah, I I do feel like it will make me a more well-rounded English teacher. Mm. 
DM use Dollface still. I noticed that wasn't one on one of the ones on your list, but that was <laughs> it's a good uh, film too. <laughs> no, I haven't used Dollface this year. I think um, probably not with EAL. It, I feel like it might with the with the kids the the kinds of kids that I've got at the moment that you know have been in the country for less than twelve months. I feel like it might mess with their heads a little. bit. <laughs> you don't think you've messed with them enough with doing Tim Burton's Vincent? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's about the the point. <laughs> yeah. I, one of the discussions that's come up um, actually might might relate to you too is the the question of teaching students who have been through trauma because. You know, obviously, the the experience of being a migrant is is not always an easy one, and particularly when they're coming from you know war torn countries and and difficult places. Is that ever a, an issue in your teaching? Um, to be honest, yeah. Um, it's look, it's not. It hasn't affected them, or hasn't affected me in that the students are behaving, you know, horribly to me. But I know that you know, there's times where. I'm not going to, I, you know, I can't do this reading activity with them or I can't do this activity, this film activity with them because they've been going through something or something has happened to kind of throw a curveball in the mix. Um, one of my students the other day, we I walked in to, to work with him and I had a, an activity all planned out for him and I could tell straight away that he was just not ready for that. And I said to him, you know, are you okay? And this is a student that I've developed quite a good rapport with and he was telling me how his friend was on a boat um, on, his, on the way out from Libya, I think he said, and the boat had like 700 people on it and it had gone missing and they thought that everybody was probably dead. So, you know, that's the kind of issue that these students are coming in to school with and, you know, they have to get through a school day and, you know, do maths and do English and all their subjects and I mean really that's the the least of their worries yeah so, yeah it's yeah. uh it puts a whole perspective on how easy we have it doesn't it <laughs> oh my God, yes yeah. like yeah. I really walked away from that going wow like you know even for the fact that I've moved you know to another country and the fact that I you know am able to obtain a, a visa um legally and I can find a place to live and um, you know, I can live quite comfortably and I can travel legally and all of those things, um, you know, even things like, like finding a job, um, you know, I guess for some of these students, the ones that are like if they're processed through, the, I guess, the system and they're in foster care, then they are able to, you know, obtain part-time work and that kind of thing. But sort of doing some planning and writing uh, resumes with them, those kinds of things, I was starting to think, wow, what what are the other things that I need to take into account that, you know, I wouldn't normally have to for, you know, a student who has citizenship. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, challenging. And um, for me, it would make me think, wow, you know, I'm actually teaching these students not just so they can pass an exam but so they can live life in a new country. Yeah? Exactly. And I think that's, uh, I guess that's been the biggest thing that I've, tried to impart on them is that you know I understand completely that you know them being able to I don't know analyze this text that that's not important for them but if I can teach them some skills that you know will help them to go for a job interview or you know go and you know work in a job where they have to communicate with customers um 
I feel that that's important and I feel like that that's the the thing that's helped these students, I guess, to engage in class. There's some pretty big things. And, um, you know, you were saying before we started about the, you know, working in, a, in another country and suddenly everything's, everything's different. You don't have any of the usual supports or sort of um, points of contact. So do you get support as a teacher, as, as a new teacher in a different country? Are you supported so you can deal with all those new and different things? Um, look, yes, to, to a degree, yes. But I think the other thing that I forgot coming over is that if I put it in Australian school terms, I've basically walked in in term four, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is absolute chaos, yeah. reports, exams, you know, nobody's got time to, to teach you things. And again, like the things that you take for granted, like I've had to find out so much about school, about the curriculum here, everything sort of on my feet and once I'm headfirst into it. So, yeah. It's it's been it's been a stressful but uh, enjoyable um, experience so far. Yeah. Does your partner teach English as well, or is he doing something else? No, he's uh, he's math science. So oh, right. Okay. Sort of his stuff's fairly universal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for um, taking the time out and thinking and sharing your thoughts about how to use these films and, 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 and your new experiences in the UK. So I wish you all the well, all the best with your teaching. Thank you very much. And no thanks for the experience. It's been good. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to the show or don't. Instead, you could join our active Facebook community and find a short film for your teaching.